Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the first day of May 2023. Is it May? Isn't isn't the first of May May Day? Comrade? Yes. Dos Vidonia, Dos Trovia, Vodka, and cold tomato soup, or whatever, borscht. Anyway, happy uh, May to you. Hope that your April was good. May, May, May should be good. We've got Mother's Day coming up. We've got Quinn's birthday coming up. Uh, we've got uh, all sorts of things coming up. So, looking forward to that. Anyway, I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and all that good stuff at the end of the program. Well, I will announce the winner of either the Sandra Day O'Connor book or the Mark Levin autographed book. They're both autographed. So stick around for that or skip to the end or whatever it is you kids do. If, if you're only in it for the free books, go to the end. It'll be the last couple of minutes. Um, yeah, I hope you had a great weekend. It was really kind of a wet week. Friday sucked. It rained a lot. Saturday, Sunday was nonstop rain. You could have showered outside, which I have done. Not here. Not since I was a kid. We had a privacy. We had a small backyard. And we had a privacy fence around it and trees and everything. And it was just, I didn't go naked. I was just in shorts. But uh, I tried to shower outside just to see if I could do it. It's possible. It's a pain in the butt, though. Because water everywhere doesn't mean you can get, get the soap off easier. Unless you, like, are under a gutter that's full or a downspout. But anyway, Saturday was lovely. Saturday was lovely. We went to Fort Frederick with the kids. Thanks to a listener out there for, I don't know if I should name him or not, but I'm not going to give his full name because I just don't want to. He doesn't need the harassment. I don't know. Well, he's retired. But anyway, thanks to John for uh, letting us know about this thing and being such a really cool guide. It was like a, a trip back in time. I don't know if you, I guess it's once a year. Maybe it's multiple times a year, but check it out. Uh, it, it was great to take the girls around there and see, uh, like, gun making, knife making, pots and pans making. I bought an old board game that actually is very much... My dad made a version of it. I have one version of it, but to get... This one's for four people. We'll see. I've already played it once with Quinn. It involves dice and math. I know. Calm down. Super exciting. But it was very cool. And it was a beautiful day on Saturday. So sandwiched in between was after soccer. The soccer did not, uh, well, it went as well as about as well as you could. Neither one of them couldn't run up to the ball and then kind of stand around. Like, just kick the damn ball. And Bailey is less interested. I thought Bailey would be good. She kicked the hell out of the ball. But no, not not yet anyway. We shall See, some of these little buggers are good at it. So, hope you had a great weekend. Now, let us get on with the news. I just want to give a brief, quick update on... Because I saw this, and a whole bunch of people sent this to me. Tucker to Newsmax. Tucker Is Tucker going to Newsmax? I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't been bothering Tucker. I haven't been hounding Tucker. I guess I can say that after I sent him a very long text message. But... Um, 
I have no idea. But apparently, according to published reports, including on TMZ, which you can laugh, TMZ, but TMZ gets it right about these sorts of things. And by the way, it doesn't mean that Tucker's going to go there. It just means that apparently Newsmax is driving a Brinks truck around his neighborhood going, we will fill this up with whatever you'd like, and we will uh, leave you the keys. And you can take it, please, for the love of God, if you just sign up with Newsmax. I don't know if... Think about Tucker. Look, obviously everybody likes money, but Tucker's got money. Now, Tucker's got money. He might not have hundreds of millions of dollars, but he's got money. If he's smart about it, he could budget. He'd be fine for the rest of his life and live a really, really nice life. So I'm not sure. I know he's not hurting for money, but I also don't know how much he's motivated by money. Part of that is just because. And another part of that is because he's got other options. If, you know, one place is going to give him $100 million. I'm just making all these numbers up, by the way. Some, one place is going to give him $100 million. It just doesn't interest him, but it's $100 million. I would be like, all right, yeah, okay, fine, I'm in. But if you go, well, another place is going to give him $10 million, and it's something, it's a freer hand, or it's a whatever it wants. It's, a, it's more control for him. It's... That would be more interesting to him. Most people would go, well, dude, you go with $100 million. What are you, nuts? Yeah, under most circumstances, that's not really what Tucker is. Especially, look, granted, he's got the luxury of having probably made a bunch of money and squirreled it away or invested it or whatever, at least a good chunk of it. So he's got that going for him. But whatever he does, he could put up his own shingle and run a YouTube page and make a fortune. So it's... The idea of, I don't know if I think, like, Newsmax is Newsmax. It's, it's, it's a, not Fox News. Tucker could help make Newsmax more of something. But I don't think it would ever be Fox News, at least not for a very long time. I just don't see him doing that. I don't know. So, those of you sending me out there, what do you think of this? Is Tucker going to go to Newsmax? I have no idea. But if I were betting against it, I wouldn't. I'd bet against it. But if I were betting on it, I would bet against it. But then again, everything I bet on goes the other way. So, take that for what it's worth. On uh, Saturday night was the big White House Correspondents Association dinner. And I swear to God, uh, this used to be appointment party crashing for me back when I was single because that was what you did. It was glamour. It was cool. It was awesome. I uh, I went through the one the one year I had the most, well, the Christopher Hitchens year was fun. But year before that, 2007, was an absolute blast. My friend Heath and I and a couple other people, we just went around and, and you used to be able to crash the pre-parties. The pre-parties, are, it's at the Hinkley Hilton in Washington, D.C. It's now just wildly incestuous and it annoys the hell out of me. But it wasn't all that long ago, 15 years, where the media was still liberal, but it wasn't nearly as insufferable as it is now. It really wasn't just, I mean, it just makes you sick to look at it these days. But it was fun back 2007 where you just, you didn't, I didn't have a tuxedo. I eventually, I did buy a tuxedo for 99 bucks at K&G. 
KMG. KMG. If you don't know what KMG is and you ever need a suit, I bought all of my suits from KMG because they have a, a need extra long. I forget what size jacket I am now, but I need extra long. It's not just long. It's extra long because I have monkey arms. And uh, so I would buy them. And you can get suits for like 99 bucks, sometimes 79 bucks or less on clearance. And there was a, a tuxedo for $79. And I was like, whoa. Wait, and my friend, I remember my friend Brian, different Brian now lives in Texas. But um, I was doing the Heritage Foundation podcast with him or internet show with him back in 2005. He said that he bought a tuxedo and it was a great investment. You know, as long as you don't put on a ton of weight, you uh, you will get your money's worth out of it. You will wear it to a lot of things. And it will, because there's always a black tie event, black tie event, and you go, okay, I'm not going to go rent a tuxedo for 50 or 100 bucks or whatever the hell it costs to rent a tuxedo to go to this event. It's a huge pain in the butt. But having a tuxedo in the closet, really all a tuxedo is is like shiny lapels and a stripe down your pants. Um, or you do what I did and you just get a black suit and a black tie with a white shirt. Nobody knows it's not a tuxedo officially except for the stupid missing things. But I do. I still have a tuxedo. I don't even know if it fits me anymore. But I crashed and I got pictures with a whole bunch of political celebrities. It was a blast. We got absolutely hammered. Another year, me and my, my, my now wife... And a couple other people, and Mike Flynn, who was the first editor of Breitbart's uh, Big Government. He's since passed on. He was a really good friend. Um, we tried to crash so many par- after parties. And we had a, a friend there, named uh, a friend of Mike's, named Chip, who uh, was also passed. And um, we went around pretending that Chip was Andrew Breitbart because Andrew was invited to all of these things. We all knew Andrew, but Andrew was invited and then Andrew didn't go. And so we were pretending to be Andrew to try and get into these places. It didn't work. We just ended up having a blast that night, but it was so much fun. That night was always fun in Washington, D.C., culminating with the story of me getting invited to Christopher Hitchens' after, well, Vanity Fair after party at Christopher Hitchens' um, apartment in 2008 now after that there was really no point in trying to go (laughs) to anything because nothing was going to top that but um it was this week it's back after covid i guess biden was back there last year but honest to god this has become such a non-event and you really want to know the state of our culture and the state of our politics today i'm trying right now without having to look it up to try and think of the guy's name who hosted it and I can't think of it. It's something junior. Something junior. <laughs> He's a junior. But uh, he, okay, Roy Wood Jr., I looked it up. Roy Wood Jr., when I first saw it, I thought it was Ron Wood Jr., and I thought, the, the dude from the Rolling Stones kid is like emceeing the, the uh, White House Correspondence Dinner. That would make about as much sense as Roy Wood Jr. He's a daily show correspondent, whatever the hell that is. Uh, I don't watch The Daily Show. The Daily Show has no host. The Daily Show doesn't seem to have any focus anymore. It's CNN with a laugh track. CNN's a joke. Daily Show is supposedly funny, so I guess they diverge there too. But it is 
sad commentary. I never actually went to the dinner itself. I never really wanted to go to the dinner itself. I don't care about the dinner. I was always about, when I was crashing the things, it was about let's get hammered and let's get pictures with celebrities. And that was it. Let's just get hammered. Let's get pictures with celebrities. And that was it. But um, I didn't even know that this thing was happening until Wednesday. Wednesday. This was this was a social calendar for all of Washington D.C. Now maybe it's because I've gotten older. I don't know. And maybe younger people have you know without kids run around and try and crash this thing too. But having watched the footage. It is one of those things where it seems like more people go to protest outside of it than go to have fun at the pre-parties or the after-parties or anything. You see the uh, the video of John Legend and Chrissy Teigen walking through the crowd where Chrissy Teigen has three assistants, three little peons carrying the train of her ugly... I don't, I don't find her attractive at all. But they're carrying the train of her ugly dress so it doesn't drag on the ground, walking through a gauntlet of left-wing climate activists protesting whatever the hell it is. I don't know. On a Saturday night, you just look at these people and go, you can see why you've never kissed a girl and why you never will. This is, this is what you're doing on a Saturday night. Okay? You've got a trans flag with end fossil fuels written on it. How about you make up your damn mind? as to what your priorities in life are and then go on from there because it's Saturday night and you're doing this, okay? You, you don't know. You're, you're such a poor lost soul. If you weren't such a pile of human garbage, I might feel badly for you, but I don't. I, I can't. And I will thank God that you will likely never reproduce because, I mean, who would? Who would? But they're marching through John Legend and Chrissy Teigen when Chrissy Teigen isn't telling teenagers to kill themselves on social media. She is hiring three people, serfs, who are not dressed for the party, by the way. They are not invited inside. They had to carry her train to the point that she reached ground that was not filthy, you know, street, public street where riffraff humans could go. And then she could walk with her dress. And you know that those people had to sit around and wait for the two and a half hours, whatever the hell it is, for the event to end so Chrissy Teigen's dress would not be dragged on the ground back to wherever it was their limo was going to pick them up, being the good environmentalists, environmentalists that they are, so that they could go back to their suite. They'll have a suite somewhere. Surprising, why don't you just, you know when it's coming, you people are such attention whores and Democratic Party whores, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. How about while you're there this week, you reserve a suite for next year so you don't have to humiliate human beings by having them walk behind you dragging your dress and keeping it off the ground. How about you reserve a room now so it's just an elevator ride down? You don't have to be such you know scumbag, gross people, but... No, they won't do that. Go ahead and write another song about the problems with capitalism. Or Chrissy Teigen, why don't you do a, a video about how hard it is to have some designer give you a dress to wear to a public event only to find out that left-wing environmentalists have blocked off the approach for your limo and you have to walk a block with peons carrying the train of your dress. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, 
It's hard out there, Chrissy, and the world needs to know that you're going to be okay. God, they're just so gross. As for the event itself, there really wasn't anything of note that I found going on. And I didn't watch it. There was a time when the wife would watch it. The wife wanted to watch this stupid event. But I didn't. didn't we Thankfully, what the hell did we do? I can't even remember what we did. I watched, I watched Black Widow. We went out and we went to that, uh, mid, it wasn't medieval, it was colonial thing. And, and then it was it. Came home and ate popcorn and fell asleep. It was lovely. Didn't give a second's worth of thought to the White House Correspondents Association. But I do want to play you one, nothing to do with the so-called jokes. The uh, Well, it is a joke. But the uh, attempted comedy, I don't want to talk about the attempted comedy. I just want to show you what awards were given out for. It's a guy named Matt Visser who covers the White House for the Washington Post. He is every bit the tool of the left-wing machine as you'd imagine them being, is all of them. I mean, hell, which you can't really differentiate between any of them. It was a whole bunch of people who suck bitching about Fox. That's basically the what passed for comedy there. Joe Biden joked about... Him not giving any reporters questions, not taking reporters questions, not talking to the press. And the press sat there and laughed and said, oh, thank you, sir. May I have another? Please, just go ahead and uh, fist me all you want if that's what you want, Mr. President. We will do anything for you. I was embarrassed for them because they're embarrassing people. And the award uh, given to Matt Visser. This is one of those things where you're sitting there and you go, okay, you're giving out like 20 awards. What the hell are these awards for? These awards are for being very good dogs. These awards are for being very good dogs for the Democratic Party. And Matt Visser was a very good boy. He deserves many, many milk bones. Listen to this introduction, this explanation as to why Matt, Vet, Matt Visser is, has won this award. Waldo Beckman Award for Overall Excellence in White House Coverage is named for a former association president, the late Chicago Tribune correspondent Aldo Beckman. This year, the award goes to Matt Visor of the Washington Post. The, ju the judges said Matt Visor stood out among his competitors for work that went beyond the humdrum of covering the managed events of the presidency and the White House. Visor captured the spirit of Joe Biden, particularly with stories about the president's brother and how his Catholic faith influenced his strategic vision of the office. The WHCA is pleased to give the Aldo Beckman Award to Matt Visor. All right, I pronounced it Visor, it's Visor, however the hell, who cares? It's crap is what it is. Get an award because he... Capture, quote, captured the spirit of Joe Biden, particularly with stories about the president's brother and how his Catholic faith influenced his strategic vision of the office. His Catholic faith. Well, yes, that Catholic faith that says, let me uh, perform abortions in the Oval Office. Let's have more abortions. Let's have taxpayer-funded abortions. Why, yes, he sounds like a damn pope, doesn't he, when he talks out there? And the Pope tell everybody that if you're not with him, you're an enemy of the country. You're an enemy of the people. You're a dangerous threat to democracy. If you're not, a, isn't that what the Pope does? God, Joe Biden is such a 
pile of human garbage and to sit there and go, oh yeah, let's talk about his brother and his Catholic faith. Hey, I can think of something else that maybe you could talk about regarding his brother. You could maybe talk about how his brothers made millions of dollars influence peddling off the Biden family name along with Hunter. You could maybe just, no, no, Medvisor did not do that. He was too busy capturing Joe Biden's spirit. Capturing Joe Biden's spirit. Now, this little weasel comes out and he gets his piece of glass. You know, you kiss enough ass, you get a piece of glass if you're a Democrat. And then he goes over and gets his picture taken with Joe Biden. Joe's clapping and applaud Because, of course, because why not? Joe Biden has, this is his official fluffer. This is one of his official fluffers, actually, the most of the White House press corps are fluffers of the president of the United States. And so why wouldn't you get a picture taken with him? You know, you don't want a, certainly a picture of him working. That would be unpleasant. And, well, I would say that wouldn't be suitable for children. But given what leftists want for children and how they cheer on things, gross things for children, it might be what a Democrat would look at and go, you know what, children should see this. Why not? Because. Because it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. <coughs> Sick. These people are sick. This is why in the White House correspondent the last 10 years, at least the White House Correspondents' Dinner, has become a disgrace. Trump never went. Trump was right to never go. Joe Biden went back because why wouldn't you? I mean, you're going to get hand release at a bare minimum, a couple of foot massages. I'm sure that the big three correspondents for the broadcast networks were under the table for Joe Biden working him over. Under foot massage, keep your mind out of the gutter. But it was just one of those things where it's just so... By the way, Matt Visor gets his picture taken with Joe Biden, gets a big old smile, gets a couple pictures taken with Joe Biden, walks across, shakes the hand of Kamala Harris, and just keeps walking. Wants absolutely nothing to do with the picture with her. There are photographers everywhere. He could have, He didn't even look to the crowd so that like somebody could snap a photograph or he could take a still shot from the C-SPAN feed and maybe frame that too. Nope, nothing. It's just a big old middle finger. Come on. Now, if you're using liberal terms, black lady, I don't need my picture taken with a black lady. Why, Matt? Are you a racist? He must be. I mean, honestly, he must. Why else would he do it that way? Speaking of Democrats who are uh, screwing up everything, we got a lot on this stuff. The the trans, I'm so sick of this. The cross-dressing weirdo over in, um, <laughs> just so mean. I am so sick of this. The, the trans lawmaker in Montana, right? The trans lawmaker in Zoe Zephyr. Zoe Zephyr. It's either Zoe or Zooey. It's spelled like a zoo. It doesn't matter. I don't know what the dude's real name is. I don't care. I'd want nothing to do with him. And I tell you, this is a prime example of the metastasizing of liberalism that's going on in the country. That somebody like this, somebody with obvious mental problems, can get elected to the state legislature in Montana. Now, Montana has elected Democrats uh, quite a few times. They're always kind of pretending to be conservative Democrats. And now suddenly they've gone full-blown cross-dressing. And you're like, what the hell happened to Montana? California happened to Montana. California happened to Montana. You got how many hundreds of thousands? It doesn't take, it's tens of thousands, but it doesn't take that many people 
to flip a region of a state like Montana. They had, what, a million people? little over a million people. The biggest city was Billings with 100,000 people. That was the biggest city in in, uh, Montana and Wyoming when I was there in 2006. They were very proud and excited of it. Since then, there's been an exodus of rich left-wing Hollywood douchebags flying to Montana and buying huge ranches and building gigantic mansions on them for a fraction of what they would cost in California. They fled it because, what, the tax rate's 20% California, and it's, I don't know what it is in Montana, but it's significantly less than in California. So they live in Montana. Problem is, they don't realize they fled California for a reason. The homelessness, the drug problem, the crime, everything. And they vote for idiots just like they voted for idiots before. They voted for the people who brought about things that they fled. They did. True story. And now they move on like locusts and vote for the same things in different places And they'll do the same thing. Eventually, Montana, if they're not careful, if the Republican Party doesn't learn how to message out there in Montana, they will eventually take over the state house. Until then, at least for now, they have a law that says you cannot butcher the genitals of children. Do what you want, adults. You can't do it to children. They're denying gender-affirming care. But because leftists are leftists first, and anything that undermines traditional American values, common sense, or family must be destroyed for the communists to fully take over, uh, this Zoe Zephyr is being celebrated. He's a trans woman who fought against this. That was passed overwhelmingly. It's wildly popular in Montana. But of course... It's not wildly popular in newsrooms at uh, the major networks. So on Saturday, Jonathan Capehart, columnist for the Washington Post, and a member of the LGBTQI plus A plus whatever community, you know, most, most gay people you know want nothing to do with the T and the Q and all the other garbage. They're just like, you know what? You people, I don't want to, this is sick what you're doing to kids. Um, You're messed up. You're crazy. You're crazy. But, of course, progressives are progressives first. Capehart is a member of the community, but he's an activist liberal, more so than anything else. So he introduces Zoe to the world and uh, in glowing terms about how this is an assault on the LGBTQ community. Wham, wham, wham. When you're really talking about these guys really want to mutilate the genitals of children. They really desperately do. I've never, like, Joseph Mengele was not this excited to go to work as these people are every single day. And Joseph Mengele was plenty eager to go to work and commit his acts of evil. But these people do so. Mengele did it in private. Mengele did it in secret because he knew that the public would recoil in horror. He didn't care, but he didn't want them to recoil in horror because he didn't want to be restricted. He didn't want stopping. These people are like, no, I am going to force the public to go along with me. There's no poll indicating that you should be able to, the American people support the idea of butchering genitals of children, permanently sterilizing them or what have you. But there's really only no poll because nobody wants to ask the question. Because they're afraid of the answer. They don't want it to be known. 
But anyway, Zoe Zephyr then goes off and listen to his answer. It is telling. He lost. He lost handily. Got his ass handed to him, as a matter of fact. Probably the only person who wanted to touch his ass was him. His ass handed to him. The vast majority, a supermajority of the state legislature voted in favor of preventing genital mutilation of children. And Zoe Zephyr, being a committed Democrat, somebody who would likely scream in your face if you said something he didn't like, this is what democracy looks like, says they're going to sue and they're going to stop this. But that's decidedly not what democracy looks like. And of course, the noted cross-dressing constitutional scholar says it's blatantly unconstitutional. There is no question, by the way, I didn't cut it out. I didn't even bother getting it. There's no follow-up about how do you, what do you mean it's unconstitutional? What, how can you say that? What are you basing that on? Or any, nope, there was none of that because Jonathan Capehart just nods like a bobbleheaded doll on the dashboard of the family truckster going down a dirt road like, oh yeah, unconstitutional. Let's butcher some kids. Let's do that. Let's do that. It's not unconstitutional. The federal government steps in and prevents horrible things from happening all the time and prevents children from engaging in things that uh, adults are free to engage in. Drinking anybody? Smoking anyone? On down the list. Driving, serving in the military, owning certain firearms, you name it. And the leftists are always right there going, we need to restrict, we need to restrict, we need to restrict. And then when it comes to a 12-year-old, he goes, you know what? You don't have to tuck it back. Let's just slice that thing off, okay? Why don't we do that? Why don't you decide to do that, huh? How do you, you know, you can sneak a beer when you're 16 years old. And then you can not have a beer after that. You remove your genitals. You, you're not getting them back. You are not getting them back. So that's why the government has a role to play in this, you genital mutilating weirdo. Anyway, listen to the clip for yourself. And there's data to back up Zephyr's concerns about Republicans' attacks against the LGBTQ community. According to a 2022 survey by the Trevor Project, more than 50% of transgender and non-binary kids across the U.S. seriously considered suicide. Nevertheless, last night, Montana's governor signed the bill Zephyr tried to stop into law. Joining me now is Montana State Representative Zoe Zephyr. Representative Zephyr, thank you so much for coming to the Saturday show. Now that Senate Bill 99 has been signed into law, what does this mean for transgender minors and the LGBT community in Montana? So it's important to note that this bill doesn't go into effect until October 1st, and we're going to do everything in our power to stop this bill. There will be court challenges, and ultimately, like bills across the country, it will get defeated in, in these courts. We know they, these bills are un, as unconstitutional as they are cruel, um, but it is. I think it does show the way in which the right in our state is beginning to shift and isn't listening to the constituents in our communities who are saying these bills hurt people. Oh, yeah, no, there's data to suggest. We got one poll from a trans rights activist group that says that half of the children seriously contemplated suicide. What does that mean? What does that mean? 
Tell me, what, what does that... It doesn't matter. It's a worthless statistic. It is a worthless unit of measure. They're just making it up. Hey, you know what? Half the people said they seriously considered suicide. Okay, well, I've been there when I was a teenager. I seriously committed su- uh, seriously considered committing suicide, but I was a straight guy, so it doesn't really matter. But I do know a thing or two about that, and I know how far I got and what have you in my contemplation. How far are these kids getting? It's just answering an online survey saying, yeah, totally. Doing so in a melodramatic way that maybe gives them some street cred or something like that. Everybody wants to be a victim these days. Is that what we're dealing with here? I would posit yes. But more so and beyond that, and this is where it gets harsh, and this is where I get harsh. I don't care. I do not care. I cannot bring myself to care anymore. There's right and there's wrong. And if right makes you so miserable that you're going to do something horrible, then I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do wrong because you might do something. Everybody's heard the stories and seen the movies, whatever. Somebody tries to break up with somebody. Oh, no, I'm going to kill myself if you break up with me. And then, uh, you know, do you go back with them? Do you stay with them? Okay, well, I wouldn't want you to kill yourself, so I shall make myself miserable for the rest of my life or whatever until you get sick of it. And then uh, I'll go about my business. But until then, I am at your disposal. Do you do that? No, you do not. You do not butcher reality for others. Reality matters. I don't wish anybody harm. It would be horrible. I, I don't wish suicide on anybody. But get help. It has nothing to do with you believing that, oh my goodness, I, that'll save If I just have this thing taken off of my body or this thing mutilated that will make all the difference in the world and all of my problems it is not your problems will follow you no matter what you do your problems will follow you no matter what drugs you do no matter how much drinking you do no matter how much screwing you do your problems are your problems you know why because it has nothing to do with any of those things it's whatever your problem is is your problem deal with it identify it and deal with it and you will be so much better maybe you're gay maybe you're straight maybe you're whatever i don't care but i promise you you have no flipping clue what you truly are at age 15 to the point that you should be able to surgically mutilate yourself in an irreversible way if when you become an adult you want to go and do it go ahead i'm not going to stop you i'm not going to feel sorry for you should you come go oh man now i now i know you were an adult you had all the time in the world you should have Really, you focused on the wrong thing. You listen to the wrong people. That's on you. But when you're a kid, absolutely the government can prevent you from doing all sorts of stupid things, starting with tattoos. If you can't get a tattoo, why in the hell would you be able to have things sliced off of you or manufactured on you or whatever? Absolutely not. As for this state rep, oh, well, we're going to, it doesn't go into effect till October 1st, so we're going to, They're not listening to their constituents. No, not everybody is representing a bunch of left-wing idiots who would vote for a trans guy. Sorry, they're not. The rest of Montana is filled with normal people who think the way I just articulated. They don't want to see children being butchered permanently for the political whims of the moment, and they're yearning for somebody in the left to stand up and say, stop this crap. But nobody has, maybe all Democrats have already transitioned. They don't seem to have the balls to do it. But the elected representatives in Montana enacted the will of the people of Montana. I promise you that. 
since you are a distinct minority as a Democrat in the state legislature, you cannot say that you have been, uh, that this is anti-democratic or what have you. In fact, this is the exact opposite. You lost in the democratic process. You lost handily and easily and quickly. And instead you're going to sue, which is the antithesis of democratic. Articulate why you believe this is unconstitutional. I promise you, you can't do it. You aren't that bright to begin with. And it is not. It is not. Unless you're going to say that kids should be able to drink and drive and do whatever in the age of consent. Well, actually, maybe you would say the age of consent doesn't matter. I don't know. It's sick. That much I do know. But this is liberalism on display. And you can sit there and you can say, well, this is one person in Montana. This is one crazy dude. Tucked it back a little too hard. Maybe fell over, hit his head, and uh, just kind of whatever. No. I want you to listen to this this result from an NBC News poll Steve Kornacki is talking about. You want to talk about the absolute rot, the rot that is liberalism and what the Democratic Party is doing to this country. It is exemplified in this clip. New questions here we can show you that really get to this question of of social change in the country, some attitudes on cultural issues. And I think what emerges is a picture of a country, obviously, that's divided in many ways. That's no surprise. But also, I, I think it gets to what you're saying, Joe. Different terms can mean different things to different people simultaneously. And let me show you what I mean by that. I'll take you through some of these numbers here. We ask a very basic question here. We ask, do you think American society is racist. And, and there is actually widespread in our poll agreement that it is 50, nearly 60 percent, 59 percent saying yes. And if you take a look here and just break this down by race, there is a majority. It's a smaller majority, but a majority of white Americans feel that way. And then larger majorities of African-Americans and Hispanics feel the same way, too. So on the question of is America racist, you're getting that nearly 60 percent of the country saying yes. Yeah. That is a direct result of the rot that is the Democratic Party in the popular culture. You can sit there and say, well, I don't watch TV. I don't take for yeah, Congratulations. You are, you don't have to watch it, but it's watching you. You don't have to participate in it, but it's participating around you. It is influencing everything. You need to know what's going on so you can combat it. And you need to combat it every sense of every step of the way. And you need to get people to vote against it as you sit there. So there's no difference between the parties. There's a huge difference between the parties. And this is exhibit 10 trillion. The polling data, 59% overall say yes, American society is racist, including 53% of white people, 79% of black people and 69% of Hispanic people. Congratulations. Nothing has changed since the civil rights, since before the civil rights time, apparently, according to a majority of the American people. The only way to get that result is to lie to people. It's so beyond the pale stupid to think that things have not changed, that we're a wildly racist society. It, it really is. It's unbelievably stupid. But that is where we are. And that is what the Democrats have done. That influences how people vote. That influences how people feel about themselves. This influences how people act and conduct themselves. Every possible permutation of existence in this country is impacted by the belief that this society is wildly racist. Okay, we've made no, no strides 
ever at all. No, that's wildly stupid. But it empowers Democrats. Slavish loyalty to voting for Democrats since the 1936 election. Have things gotten better? Hmm? The areas where the majority of black and Hispanics live in this country are controlled by which political party? Democrats. And they have been controlled by that party for generations, 50, 60, 70 years or more in some cases. If there is a problem in those areas, if there is any truth to what these dumb people who are saying, yes, it's totally racist, saying it would have been something perpetrated by Democrats. Would it not have been? Yes, it would. Why would they not have fixed anything over time? They don't need the federal government to fix something. Think globally, act locally. That's what we're told by all these leftist moronic hippies, is it not? Yet they haven't. Or have they? And they've only made things worse. Their entrenched power is more entrenched than it's ever been. But that's it. The education system has gotten worse. I challenge you, I dare you to find a Republican in the education systems of Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Miami, Houston, you name this New Orleans. You find me a Republican in there. And then you get double or nothing, you find me a Republican who is responsible for the low quality of education there. See how that works out for you. You just won't. Oh, you'll find a lot of Democrats saying, the Reagan administration, the Reagan administration, the Reagan administration. They will. And they'll just repeat it like a mantra, like, okay, the country is racist. Oh, yeah, obviously. Trans women are women. Absolutely. They just, the left has these things that is just this side of getting them an amen that are every bit as damaging a lie as you could possibly imagine. And they just let it slide. They don't defend it. The Reagan administration. The Reagan administration gutted the education system in this country. And really, where? How? Because if you look at the money at the start of the Reagan administration that was spent on education, then the money at the end of the Reagan administration that was spent on education, it shoots up like a rocket ship. So how? How What did they do to gut it? Just like they say, well, Reagan... Reagan just let people drop dead all over the place from AIDS. He didn't do anything about AIDS. He said, you know what? Screw the gays. Let them die. Not true at all. Forgive anybody who's president of the United States when something new comes along. Nobody knows a damn thing about it. And they don't go, well, here's just a blank check and keys to the uh, keys to the treasury. Go to town. They spent the money they got. They got a lot of money. But if they had given them more money, they wouldn't have known how to spend it. Where do you begin to spend this money? What do you do? How do you do it? You you can't. So the money was spent. Did he go out and give speeches about how serious? No, he wouldn't. And if he did, he would have had to have said something like, hey, gay men, stop going to bathhouses, having a whole bunch of random anonymous sex. And uh, what would have been the result? It would have been, oh, my God, can you believe Ronald Reagan said such horrible homophobic things. What a monster he was. My God. How dare who does he think he is moralizing about people having a whole bunch of anonymous sex? Now, how can I say that? You might be asking yourself, although probably not. But other people would be saying, How can you say that? Who how dare you say that? Well, 
what happened with monkeypox? Right? That wasn't all that long ago. It was last year. Monkeypox transmitted through gay sex by and large. Orgies, random hookups, big-time parties that were just sex parties attended by gay men. And the stories were all like, well, the Biden administration doesn't want to say anything about this because they might be seen as telling gay men not to have random anonymous sex with five, six, seven partners in the course of a weekend. You're like, yeah, you know, who would want to judge that? Go ahead. Enjoy your wildly painful infection. Good luck to you because somebody didn't say even just the simple, hey, uh, you might want to get to know somebody just a little, their name before you. How about How about wearing a condom? Nope. None of that. They didn't do it. The Biden administration basically put the condom in their mouths to keep them quiet. They put a condom over their face so they wouldn't talk about it because they didn't really care. It was more to pander to an interest group than it was anything else. So they kept quiet. A whole bunch of people got monkeypox, which luckily and thankfully wasn't fatal, but it was apparently wildly painful and horrible and whatever. And they got it because the Biden administration wouldn't warn that, you know, random orgies with strangers and no protection, not a particularly good way to lead a hygienic life. So, yeah, all of this, everything that liberals do is a complete and total lie. It just is, and it is for their own benefit. It is not saying, oh, no, you look good in those jeans, which is a lie for the person's benefit to make them think that they look good in those jeans. Well, you subtly maybe say, we should probably get a salad. Let's say, how about for an appetizer, we get a salad? No, the government doesn't even do that. They just lie to you. They are the doctors in the 50s that uh, RJR or J.R. Reynolds or whatever the hell it was, Camel, they bought off. Hey, Florida Five doctors say, you're going to shove nails into your lungs. Make it a nice camel, filterless, for your pleasure. They're those doctors. My doctor says that I should smoke Lucky Strikes because there's no better key to health and happiness than Lucky Strikes. The cigarettes of everybody who's dead. Yule Brenner and John Wayne love these cigarettes. No. It's every bit as bad as them, if not worse. Because this is infecting children and the next generation, and trapping them in poverty. There's a certain point an adult should make the connection. Like, I, You know what? I get winded going upstairs. This, this cigarette probably isn't particularly good for that. At a minimum, at a minimum, forget having seen a whole bunch of other people die or choking up black chunks of lung after a night of heavy drinking. If you can't make those conclusions on your own, I don't know what to tell you. But this one is more pernicious. This one is more disturbing. This one is more evil. Speaking of uh, evil and standing up to evil, I want to play you a 12-year-old from by way of Massachusetts. Yes, Massachusetts. A mass hole up there. Hey, shark, how's it going? Middleborough, Massachusetts. I don't know who this 12-year-old kid is, but he is awesome. He gave a speech. He got uh, kicked out of school. For wearing a hate monger shirt, a hateful, hateful shirt. What did the shirt say? There are only two genders. Yeah, that's right. Kid got booted from school for wearing a shirt, making other people uncomfortable. Who never said anything to him, still doesn't know who the whiny leftist was who complained. Probably, I'd guess, a teacher. 
who'd spent all weekend in their thruple, in their polyamorous relationship, trying to figure out which one was going to play the role of man that day, and then uh, making sure that there was enough... Mm, I don't want to go into too much detail, but let's just say it was a pain in the butt. I suspect for these people who then complain that a 12-year-old's wearing a shirt that says there are only two genders. Well, this kid went to the school board meeting and told everybody to go F themselves. Well, maybe not in so many words, but he came pretty damn close. And quite frankly, I don't know what's going to happen over the course of the rest of this week, but I'm nailing it right now. This kid is my hero of the week, and God bless him. Here you go. This is a 12-year-old. And then think of think of all the adults, particularly every adult in the Democratic Party, up to and including the President of the United States, who don't have one-tenth the sack and integrity of this 12-year-old. In the 7th, 10th grade at Nichols Middle School, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. I never thought that the shirt I wore to school on March 21st would lead me to speak with you today. On that Tuesday morning, I was taken out of gym class to sit down with two adults for what turned out to be a very uncomfortable talk. I was told that people were complaining about the words on my shirt, that my shirt was making some students feel unsafe. Yes, words on a shirt made people feel unsafe. They told me that I wasn't in trouble, but it sure felt like I was. I told, I was told that I would need to remove my shirt before I could return to class. When I nicely told them that I didn't want to do that, they called my father. Thankfully, my dad supported my decisions and came to pick me up. What did my shirt say? Five simple words. There are only two genders. Nothing harmful, nothing threatening. Just a statement I believe to be a fact. I have been told that my shirt was targeting a protected class. Who is this protected class? Are their feelings more important than my rights? I don't complain when I see pride flags and diversity posters hung throughout the school. You know why? Because others have a right to their beliefs just as I do. Not one person, staff, or student told me that they were bothered by what I was wearing. Actually, just the opposite. Several kids told me that they supported my actions and that they wanted one too. I experienced... Wait, no. I was told that the shirt was a disruption to learning. No one got up and stormed out of class. No one burst into tears. I'm sure I would have noticed if they had. I experienced disruptions to my learning every day. Kids acting out in class are a disruption, yet nothing is done. Why do the rules apply to one, yet not another? I feel like these adults were telling me that it wasn't okay for me to have an opposing view. Their arguments were weak, in my opinion. I didn't go to school that day to hurt feelings or cause trouble. I have learned a lot from this experience. I learned that a lot of other students share my view. I learned that adults don't always do the right thing or make the right decisions. I know that I have a right to wear those five, a shirt with those five words. Even at 12 years old, I have my own political opinions and I have a right to express those opinions. Even at school, this right is called the First Amendment to the Constitution. My hope in being here tonight is to bring the school committee's attention to this issue. I hope that you will speak up for the rest of us so we can express ourselves without being pulled out of class. Next time, it may not only be me. There might be more students that decide to speak out. Thank you for your time and good night. Hero. Hero. And balls on that kid. Man, to confidently read that speech, to deliver that speech, amazing. To this day, I'm not sure I could go out in front of a crowd at a school board meeting and deliver a speech, especially with something about this, that I, without swearing, that's for sure. But this kid nailed it. Every damn thing. What, what makes, why do they have a right to do it and I don't? Because I'm on one side and they're on the other. What the hell? How these adults live with themselves, I'll never know. 
but we cannot make it easy for them. We can't make it easy for them. We just can't. We have to make it as difficult as possible for them because they are bastardizing reality in a way that is incredibly dangerous, destructive, and leads to things like polling data. Well, 59% says the country's wildly racist. Based on what? I, I don't know. They watch Rachel Maddow and they listen to Joy Reid. And so there you go. Wildly racist. That's just science or something. You need to destroy progressivism again before it destroys us. We did it before. We need to do it again. We defeated, you know, it was weird. We were moving in a direction that was very much in line with Nazi Germany and with fascist Italy. We really, really were, and and to a lesser degree, communist Russia. After World War II, there were a lot of communist sympathizers in this country. Alger is, for one. But we moved away from it. We defeated it. We were moving in that, by the way, we were moving in that progressive direction before World War II. You can go back, and this is, you know, think what you want of Jonah Goldberg. But in his book, Liberal Fascism, he points out that up until... Uh, World War II, once once Hitler became the enemy, then suddenly he was the enemy. But up until that point, he was kind of a hero to a lot of people on the progressive side of the aisle in this country because he and Mussolini were doing things in their countries by sort of disregarding constraints on power that they wanted done here. They were jealous of their ability to get things done. They didn't have to work with it. They could just decree things to be. And they were. Putting the boot on the throat and the neck and the groin and everything of all of the people, but they were getting results. You can sit there and say that sounds absurd, and it does sound absurd. But it's also true. It's also true. So be like this 12-year-old. Encourage your kids to be like this 12-year-old. And if there are worthless adults in your school system, in your city, or whatever, who are doing anything remotely close to this or involved in any of this, stand up to them, challenge them, run against them, or find out who is and work your ass off to defeat them. The Democrats aren't going to police them. The Democrats are crazy now. They have the crazy has taken over the entire party. There's nobody left to stand up and say enough is enough is enough. There's nobody out there going to say, "Hey, uh, we know what genders there are. We need to stop this thing." And when I'm not going to look, adults can do what they want. You can pierce what you want. You can do whatever you want. But I'm not going to let. We can't have children doing this. This is absurd. This is absurd. There is no Democrat like that left. So the whole damn thing has to be destroyed and dismantled. And it has to be from the federal level on down to the local level, to your library board. Go to your public library and look at the books that they, not only the books that they buy and restock, look in the new releases and look at what they highlight on various wall displays. You probably haven't been to your library in a while. Go to your library. You know what? I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment if you can. I'm going to do it. And I'll post the pictures at uh, Patreon and at uh, and at uh, what do you call it local Ed I'm sorry the Patreon page is, is a lot more it's easier to use it's way more engaged than 
the uh, the locals page. Appreciate it. Either one you want to sign up for, but the things that I put up for everybody, like these pictures that I'll take tomorrow, the public library. I'll go. I'll go to the library and see what books are up on display, and I will take pictures of them. Now we're in a small town. We'll take pictures of them, and I'll post them up at Patreon. They'll be open for it. You don't have to join to see them. They'll be available there because I promise you. And then if you go. Post some, too, in the comment section. If they, I don't know if you can or not. but uh, Or send them to me, and I'll post them. Because you will see left-wing bile and indoctrination material, grooming material like you never thought possible. Like it's, think about it. When's the last time you went to your library? It's been a while. It ain't the library you remember. I used to... You don't want to know what kind of a nerd I was. When I was a kid, one of the things I always went to at the library in my school. I didn't go to the public library in Redford very often because it, there was nothing, there was nobody, no reason to go. Like I'd go occasionally, but not very often because uh, I had a friend who lived near it. But otherwise, like it, being asked to be dropped off the library was just not something in the cards for me as a kid. And parents going, let's go to the library was no, never. We, my parents did not read it's weird. I've my dad read two books in his life. One when he was in high school, and one was mine. So, you know, actually, no, because at the end he did read more. I, I had him some books, and he would get up every morning and drink his coffee and read. I'd find him large print books and send him and things. Like he loved James Arness and he loved uh, Gunsmoke. But anyway, it just reading was not. It, he read the paper. That was it. He's a very smart man, but it was through intuitive common sense. So we didn't go to the library, but I would go to the library in my school when we were forced to. And then sometimes on my own because I love to read consumer reports. I subscribed to uh, Sports Illustrated as a kid. I got it for Christmas one year. Uh, so it was I was getting that. I didn't really read it all that much, but I, I glanced at it and I, pre- I uh, appreciated the uh, swimsuit issue back when it was full of women. But um, I just, I would read consumer, I loved the reviews of things. I loved the little system of consumer reports. God, total nerd. I don't even know if it, the website still exists, but it's not the same as seeing those little circles for the reviews. Anyway, check it out. I'll post them up to, uh, well, you'll find it on the show tomorrow if I post them up. Uh, But you'll be surprised at what you see if you go to your library this week. You'll be shocked. On a personal note, couple of things. Prayers for Kurt Schlichter. His mother passed away over the weekend, and I know that pain all too well. It's not good. He's doing well. We talked for a little while. So um, keep him in your prayers. My brother-in-law is back in the hospital with an infection that can't seem to shake. He's got cancer, and he's on a new drug. Um, Stage 4 lung cancer, but he never smoked. And it's um, so he's trying this new drug, experimental drug, that uh, hopefully will work, but is apparently causing leg pain and um, an infection somewhere. So he's on IV antibiotics in the hospital. He was in the other day, or he's in for a couple of days the other day. So keep him in your prayers, if you don't mind, uh, if you please. And my friend Rick, who was my, my, my dad's best friend since kindergarten, who's still with us, thank God, Sharon and Pat. Um, they had a kid, uh, there was like a 
one of them and one of us for like every age. And we all had our own, I'm not going to give the last name out. We all had their own member of the family to pal around with. And Rick was mine. And he was really one of my first friends. And he's a friend to this day. And he is in the hospital right as I speak, getting a liver transplant, his gallbladder removed, and a hernia taken care of all at once. He's been waiting. He's been on the list for a very long time. Uh, he's had a couple of false hopes and livers that spoiled while whatever for whatever reason. But now he's actually the surgery is happening. So keep him in the prayers. Lots of need for lots of prayers. So if you throw one in for me, I'd appreciate it. Throw one in for each other. Let's just pray for everybody. All right, so thank you for that. Now, uh, I guess what you're really all tuned in for, who gets what book, right? The winner is somebody named Icebear74. I don't know what kind of, I don't think that's on a birth certificate anywhere, but I cannot tell you what people enter at uh, these websites. Icebear74, you have a message from me somewheres. And Icebear74 uh, I don't know what, what gender Ice Bear 74 is. I kind of sexistly default on everything as male, but uh could be a chick. You never know. In any event, Ice Bear 74 wanted the Mark Levin signed book, Rescuing Sprite. So you get it, dude, or chick, or whatever. Congratulations. That means that Sandra Day O'Connor is back to fight again. This time, it is against a book that you might have heard of, that you probably should have heard of, that really exposed, since I talk about it all the time, I dug out a copy of this, because it is um, wildly important that people don't forget about these sorts of things and the corruption of the Democratic Party. It is Obstruction of Justice, How the Deep State Risked National Security to Protect the Democrats by Luke Rosniak. Luke Rosiak, I think he's now with the Daily Wire. He was with the Daily Caller at the time. I had him on the show way back in the day. Somewhere there's a video of me and Luke having a conversation at the Daily Caller studios about this book. And he gave me a few copies of it at the time, and I dug one out. And it's an excellent book, and it's an excellent lesson, and it's important to not forget. Because we just move on to, well, the next, of course they're corrupt. Of course they're corrupt. The scale of their corruption must not be allowed to be forgotten. So check that out. Saturday O'Connor versus Luke Rosiak. Uh, your it's dealer's choice. Well, I guess it's player's choice. At patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com. The post is up now. Some point tomorrow you'll find out when I put the post up to the library because something can happen I can't get to the library tomorrow I'm going to try to get to the library tomorrow I think we got we actually do go to the wife goes out. I drive to the library and I get disgusted by what I see and the wife goes through and gets kids books for the kids and the girls there's a scavenger hunt thing in there that they do it's we're such a stereotypical people it's not even funny father's detached and disgusted the mother's doing things and the kids are playing but anyway i appreciate the hell out of your support i can't tell you how much it means to me keep spreading the word word of mouth is really all we got and uh, sign up to support the show now let us uh, end this so you go about your week go about our month it's may we're gonna have a great may together appreciate it see you tomorrow